Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical and joyful. Today's show is The Year It All Changed, a conversation about how the world changed so radically in 1968, the good and the bad aspects and why we should care about it now. Because frankly, who cares about 1968? I doubt that any of us, in fact, I'm absolutely certain that none of us here were born at that time. I'm saying that in a in a nice way. <laughs> I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Tom Glay and Daniel Mathis, um, co-editors of the recently published 1968 Culture and Counterculture, a Catholic Critique. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks very much for having us. Before we get started, just a reminder to the listener, if you like the show, you should subscribe on your podcast app, and that way you won't miss an episode. Now, this book, as I understand it, is a proceeds of a conference which had over 30 speakers and all went over to Perth, which is impressive in itself, <laughs> the most isolated <laughs> capital in the world, 30 speakers, including some very impressive names, which we'll talk about in a little bit uh, later. Mm-hmm. Um, but to sum it up, I wanted to cite an ABC religion reporter, and I know that's fairly rare on this podcast, I cite the ABC, <laughs> but the ABC religion reporter who said at the conference, I have never been to a conference like this one. Uh, Rather than being negative or disengaged in the face of such vast and epoch-changing events, here, hands were shooting up and the audience seemed to have an average age of about 35. That was fairly glowing praise of the the conference there from uh, someone from the ABC in particular. Firstly, the the conference was organised by the Dawson Society. Let's take a step back and ask um, perhaps Daniel to give us a, a little bit of a, an opening on who the Dawson Society are and um, what they do. Yeah, sure. Um, so the Dawson Society, we first had discussions about uh, putting together some sort of group that would encourage intellectual engagement, particularly from lay Catholics. Uh, I think it was in 2012. We were sitting in a pub, in an Irish pub, over a pint of Guinness. And, That's a good uh, place for Catholics to start things. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> it is. Uh, and uh, we basically, it was Tom, myself, um, and I think Elizabeth's Tom, now Tom's wife, uh, was there as well. And we basically said, look, there, there's a lot of things happening in the Perth Archdiocese when it comes to faith and sort of pious works and charity and that sort of thing. What is missing a little bit, particularly if you're not currently engaged in a form of study, is a serious engagement in intellectual life from Catholics. And we, right. we basically said, well, if we don't do something about it, then it probably doesn't get done. Uh, so let's <laughs> let's put something together. Um, so now, we hang on. Off- I've just got to go yeah. back on one of those details there. Um, Tom, you weren't, in, you weren't uh, married to your wife at the time. No, no. Are I you wasn't. sure this wasn't just some elaborate ploy to uh, get married? Well, look, uh, I... You know, refuse to confirm or deny. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least part of the exercise was successful. You're happily married now. and um, That's exactly right, yeah. What happened next? Daniel and I had been reading a, a lot of uh, different stuff at the time. G.K. Cheston was always in the mix. Um, but there was already a, a G.K. Chesterton Society in Australia and doing wonderful work. Um, and we were, we were looking... Uh, Broadly, and, and one of the authors that we had been reading um, and continue to read is th- that of the English historian Christopher Dawson. Uh, Christopher Dawson has written a whole, like, you know, library, libraries of, of work, of I suppose. Yeah, lots and lots of books. Um, but we were really interested in his, his kind of understanding of history and culture and how 
really the the most dynamic element in in history is is the spiritual element so what what we found what we what we found interesting is is how he could look at big historical events or epochs in history um and and tease out from from that the spiritual kind of movements in history and show how the big things that were happening were were kind of the result of uh, spiritual movements and impacted on spiritual movements that that becomes the kind of key through which he looks at history and so that, now, when that you say spiritual movements can we take a pause there and talk about what we mean there is it do you mean like a, a particular philosophy because some people might describe things in terms of political philosophies mm-hmm. or you know or maybe the zeitgeist or the general feeling of of a particular era but you're you're talking about a spiritual thing here and that that's a quite an interesting take if Dawson mm-hmm. takes this, how does he define what a spiritual movement is? Probably the best book to look at would be Progress in Religion by uh, Dawson uh, for this. And, and it's been a couple of years since I last read it. So I don't want to necessarily go down as being the Dawson expert or anything like that. Uh, but the way that Dawson would look at it as a Catholic historian, uh, as, a, as a historian, uh, he would, same as any sort of, of his secular counterparts, look at the social, the economic, the political forces. But as a Catholic, historian he's also aware that there are spiritual forces and spiritual dynamics at play and to ignore the spiritual and just to focus on the social the economic and the political would be harmful to the history you're right just as if you were just purely catholic and just sort of looking at that spiritual forces and you ignored stuff like the economic or the social background uh, or, or the geography even of the um of the scene so for dawson he's critique of the way that history had been written up until that point was that it was highly materialistic and it, that critique was not to say that the materialism wrong but to say that it's it's missing an extra element and his whole sort of approach is to try and add this element into the discussion and we like that approach and that's why we basically said that's the approach we want for our discussions for our conversations for our conferences so is, is, is his contribution then that materialism or the idea that this this you know wealth and and physical pleasure or whatever it is is the only thing that matters he, that he's more anti that by bringing in something that there's a deeper dimension to human existence and to morality and all those kinds of things is that one way of describing it I, I wouldn't say anti i would just say he he sees that as insufficient it doesn't it doesn't capture the whole of what's happening and he wants right, to look, okay. he wants to he thinks that if you if you Include the spiritual and actually uh, see that as, as somewhat primary. Um, then, then you actually get a, a, a bigger vision of what's actually unfolding. So it sounds like that way of looking at the world isn't limited to this period of time. It's 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 going to be something we need those kind of glasses on as we're looking at any part of history. Particularly, and that's why we took Dawson, not because we wanted to be a Christopher Dawson fan club. Um, we actually look at look at him more as an inspiration for how we approach things. So right. we've hosted we've hosted a number of like uh, lectures in the pub or cultural events, uh, yep. musical musical things, and the, the conference was a, a bit of a high watermark for us. Uh, the idea really is to is to look at uh, or to take Dawson's vision of of history and culture and use that to inform how we approach things. It sounds like your next conference is going to be titled the Dawson Hermeneutic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) now let's come back to the conference 1968 Mm -hmm. was chosen now quite often in these cases conferences tend to focus on a particular as you mentioned you know they either focus very much on catholic theology on something that was happening in catholic theology 
or mm-hmm. they focus on a particular event and our interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. A lot happened in 1968, and that seemed to be kind of the point of your conference, that there were so many things happening at once that it's impossible to take them all, you know, to take them mm-hmm. individually. Yeah. Yeah, well, when we when we sat down to, to plan a conference, we were thinking, oh, well, this this year this year 2018 uh, actually it's the uh, the 50th anniversary of of Pope Paul VI Humanae Vitae that's a pretty significant event and how it was received and how it spawned a whole range of different things including uh, John Paul II's theology of the body and um, which is which has been a big impact has had a big impact on our lives and a whole range of other things but we thought ah oh, look that gets very 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 narrow very quick and let's let's see what else was happening and when we uh, when we started. Just, just you know, quick search around on the, on the internet or looking through things, we we discovered that there was a heck of a lot that actually was unfolding in 1968, and it was kind of a, a epochal change. There was something that was really significant that was happening, and so uh, again, mm. in the spirit of Dawson, we thought, why don't we, why don't we, why don't we try and take a, a whole a holistic look at things, and in a way that is not um, trying to be. Uh, unpartisan you know um trying to actually look at things in a way that's not ideological so to not have right. quick easy um you know either affirmations of everything that unfolded or quick easy kind of condemnations of things that unfolded but to really take a good critical look uh, to be able to sift it and see what's what's actually what's good what should we learn from this that that is good to take forward and what should we actually somewhat repudiate and uh yeah so that was how we approached it I, I would add to that that 1968 is a year that inspires sort of strong emotional reactions, both from the left and the right. Uh, from the right, it's sort of the, the year of the sexual revolution where everything started to go downhill, started to go wrong. Um, on the left, it's a big moment when uh, sort of the youth of America and other Western countries stood up and you know, change was in the air, times are changing, all that sort of aspect. Yeah, well, Woodstock was 69, wasn't it? It was, it, yeah, um, August yeah. 69. But probably I planned, think, yeah. planned in 1968, though, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you'll see. If you, if you read through the book, you'll see that it's kind of a little bit blurry. People are contextualizing yeah. what the an event that happened in 68 and then looking at how it kind of right. folds, you know, moves into the future. But you've so. got, as you said, you've got Humano Vitae dropping in 68. You've got mm. um, worldwide kind of culture shock, basically, and there's the mm. opposition to the Vietnam War. There's world events around the place um, which still have impact today. Um mm. We saw quite, uh, and one of the essays dealt with um, quite uh, violent protests and and mm-hmm. reactionary uh, elements in Europe, if I'm correct. And international yeah. terrorism became a kind of a thing before yes. it was mostly localised. Um, uh, what we now call cultural Marxism, or some of us do. And one of the things that you, you mentioned, which I thought was a big deal, was the kind of the rise of psychology as a kind of a, a way of thinking about the world. I mean, psychology existed before then, but this kind of like mm. almost way of looking at the world through pure psychology seemed to be just sort of on the rise then. Yes. Yeah, there's a great paper in, in the book by uh, Dr. Wanda Skaraska, who is, a, I think she's in Sydney. Um, yeah, on on exactly that. Um, yeah, we, we were really surprised. Not surprised. We were edified, I suppose, by the, the the diversity of the papers that came forward when we put out a call for papers. Um, we were we were so excited by the papers that came forward, and we're really thrilled with what's in the book now. Well, I mean, as I said, that the the, um, 
the actual lineup is very impressive, and I'm just sort of looking at a, a vague list of names here. They deal with very significant um, writers, like Rana, Curran, Ratzinger. Some of people mm. might have heard of him, Kaufman. Um, and at the same time, looking at Jermaine Grisey and Judith Butler and some of the big movers in the in the sexual revolution and the especially in feminism. Um, mm-hmm. In the second wave, isn't it by then? That's right. Yeah. Feminism, yeah. yes. And of course, of course, the the outcomes of the the sexual revolution start to become obvious. But w- is this kind of breadth what you had in mind, or did any of these topics surprise you? I mean, I would say this is exactly what we were after. Uh, not in the sense that we had a comprehensive uh, idea of these mm. are all the papers we want, but in the sense that we deliberately selected a topic that would be broad. That would draw people from all sorts of different disciplines under that sort of Dawson approach, that Dawson hermeneutic, if you like. Um, <laughs> and so we, we were thrilled. Uh, I mean, I will also say uh, there are still gaps. Um, we're not going to pretend that we've managed to encapsulate the entire year in a volume. And in a sense, we never really set out to do that, but we did set out to be as broad as we possibly could. It does seem like there's a, there's a, a part two coming up, doesn't it? Because as you mentioned, I think even in your introduction, you mentioned the civil rights movement assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., the Cold War, Vietnam War, um, Second Wave Feminism. These aren't addressed explicitly in the book, but no. they're, certainly there's no shortage of things addressed in the book. Certainly, and I think I think one of the things, whether, whether we ever get around to doing a second volume, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I think what we're hoping from a volume like this is to, is to model an approach, uh, I suppose, a way of looking at uh, a year, like 1968, and to, to be quite frank, I'm sure that in 50 years' time, people would be having a similar conference about 2020. Um, <laughs> uh, to, to really to try and see how 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 things unfold, how they're connected, the inter- the various interconnections of of, um, of events, but also also trying to see things not merely through the lens of of political power or economic right. uh, injustice or or, or whatever. Um, but but to really try and try and see how how things are shaped by people's experience, um, right? Uh, maybe so, what sort of things in. would you say? What, I mean, we're talking. You know, the average listener here is going to be thinking, "Why do I care about 1968? What what is it about 1968 that still has an impact today? And how well, how would me analysing it now or looking at it now through someone else's eyes perhaps um, help me understand where I am today?" Well, I mean, I, I'm going to I'm going to list a couple of different examples, uh, and and this will be true for a number of different things. But I, look, Humana Vitae has come up so many times. I, I think that you you in a sense have to to start there. Humana Vitae is still something that the Catholic Church is coming to grips with. It's it's still probably just as controversial today as it was 50 years ago when it was first um, published, and uh, we we've got some really awesome papers. I think that just contextualise Humana Vitae, um, but also draw connections between Humana Vitae to some of the other wider cultural movements that are going on. So in that Just vein, to be clear to the listener, Humana Vitae is Latin for human life and it um, is an encyclical uh, by Pope Paul VI in, released in 1968 which dealt with um, artificial contraception. And, more, more it, well, it's known for that, but actually what it dealt with was um, uh, hmm. married love. Really, precisely, precisely, and I think that's what uh, is often missing. And w- one of the interesting things about some of the papers in the book and and the papers that were presented at the conference was that it doesn't just get into the nitty gritty of the moral theology. It actually talks about uh, 
people were, were addressing um, the specific reactions and the fallout from those reactions. Um, and sometimes those reactions were from whole, whole conferences of bishops or from very, very prominent the theologians. Um, and what, what is the impact on that, on that response uh, for the lay faithful more broadly in the church? Um, and how, how has that shaped the church into the, to where we are now? And um... Something you said before, Tom, it made me it ring a bell with me in the sense of looking at 2020 in 50 years' time, we might see mm -hmm. it, but partially looking through your book mm -hmm. um, and looking at something 50 years ago, 52 now, mm -hmm. um, gives us the lens to look at this year and go, well, hang on, we're not quite, like, we think it's so ex bizarre this year or the mm -hmm. one that's just gone. And especially in the church, there's been so much turmoil, in, especially in the states and, and, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. in relation to religion and how it deals with politics and all that kind of thing. And we think, oh, this is completely unprecedented. But in 1968, almost instantly when Nirvana Vitae came out, there was full-page ads put in by Catholics against it in, in mm -hmm. American papers. So we, yeah. it's not <laughs> unprecedented. It's very much precedented <laughs> that Catholics get involved in arguing with each other out in public. And it and we've seen the fruits, if you like, and they're not good fruits either. Yeah, precisely, precisely. And what, look, one of the things that I think there's a really interesting paper in the book by um, a friend of ours, uh, Professor John Kinder. He teaches uh, Italian language at the University of Western Australia. He wrote a, a really fascinating paper about a Catholic priest, Luigi Giussani, who founded one of the new ecclesial movements, Communion and Liberation. But in '68. This this burgeoning movement that that uh, Gisani had founded had lots lots and lots of young young adults really really involved who all wanted to get involved in the student protest movement and Gisani's whole whole um, approach to that was was really trying to trying to just call them back to their 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 faith their faith in the person of Jesus and. And and to really encourage them to 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 not to not weaponize the faith to not say okay because we're Catholic we have to take this particular political stance. What it actually meant for him and the movement was that you know thousands of, of young people left the movement and he was left with very few people in the end. Um, but he was, uh, I suppose, trying to trying to actually. Uh, encourage people to to be adults in the faith to actually yeah to, to, to stand up like Jesus. Yeah. Jesus and the <laughs> disciples, you know, to Lord, yeah. to whom shall we go? <laughs> well, well, precisely, actually, and 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 I think I think looking at the the experience of that one person, Father Giussani in nineteen sixty eight, actually right. gives us a real. Um, it's it's just a I think it's a really fascinating uh, approach to this. Is, uh, one of the papers that I, I was really really most most pleased with because while it doesn't necessarily look at those big seismic shifts that were happening culturally, it gives us a sense of one particular person's experience in trying to follow Christ in the midst of what seems to be just tremendous turmoil. That's one of the things we say in the opening uh, part of the show. We mm. we attempt to deal with life, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Now, th yeah. this year has really tried us out on that that range, um, this last mm. year. But yes, looking at the looking at the papers, you could say that 1968 and and other. I mean, there's obviously many times in history where you could pick out mm. sort of cultural climaxes and and cruxes. But these years um, give us an insight into what kind of behaviour, what kind of insights, what kind of activity ends up bearing the most fruits. And it seems mm. as if 
I mean, surprise, surprise, it seems as if being a saint matters. You know, <laughs> having someone come through and actually act in patience, in mm. obedience, in genuine submission to God's will, it seems to have bear, bear the good fruits, whereas the political activism, no matter how well motivated, um, mm. ends up bearing not so great fruits. Yeah, and, and I'll add to that. I'll add to that that it takes sometimes 50 years, sometimes more, for those fruits to become apparent, and that was one of the nice things of picking, in a sense, uh, as you said at the start of the show, none of us were around in 1968, and it's almost a bit <laughs> presumptuous to say we're, we're going to analyse that year that none of us were even a part of. But sometimes right. it takes that long to actually to see the fruits of a year like that. So in a sense, we talk about 2020. I think it will take 50 years before someone can accurately look at 2020 and say, this is what came out of that and this is what yep. didn't. And there are a lot of people at the moment who are basically taking their favourite hobby horse and they're saying, because of COVID, this will happen. And it's like, oh, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Let's find mm -hmm. out in, in probably 50 yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you're right with that. And I think um, one of the things I noticed about 1968 is that there's so much focus on certain events, which are quite big and, you know, they've mm -hmm. had a, a visible impact. That some of the other events events that people mentioned, I thought, actually, that's a much, like the psychology one for me, mm, that was probably. a much, much more significant thing. And it's been uh, pervasive through our culture in a way that perhaps the debate about uh, about Humana Vitae hasn't mm -hmm. quite been as, as well, I don't know, it's a, that's an no, argument we can have absolutely. sometime. No, no, but I think one of the other the other interesting things, and this, this came out in a, a paper by Dr. Matthew Tan, um, is, is to be able to look at uh phenomena like uh, matt looks at at some of the frankfurt school um philosophers who in many circles are kind of brushed aside as you know cultural marxists and 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 there's nothing good here um but matt's approach which actually i think is is exemplified by father Giussani, as we we're talking about is to is to look at try and look at uh, these things free of ideological lenses and say okay what actually can we do here like what, 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 what's true here? What's true? What's good? What's beautiful here? And actually sift, sift it out. So there's no easy answer to say these people are, are wholly good and these people are wholly bad. Yeah. Um, to, to really sit back and try. And, mm. yeah, often reactionaries have a point. Um, one yes. thing, I mean, I'm, I'm an ex-Lutheran minister and, and when I looked at Luther's stuff, it made a lot of sense because of what he was reacting to was true. Like it, mm -hmm. there was yeah. problems in the church and there, and there were problems in the church and there were sort of turmoil and and mismanagement and all kinds of things like that. And we shouldn't be imagining ourselves to be in the only only part of history where that happens. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I'll add to that as well. We have a paper by Philip Amada on the Stonewall riots, um, which right. obviously are a major uh, milestone in sort of um, LGBT um, history. And again, it's, it's a reaction to police brutality and other things that were going on in, in 1968 mm -hmm. and in that era. Um, uh, which which is insufficient from a Christian perspective, uh, and and that's actually well, it, that that was a reality. I mean, I grew up in the country, but that was a reality when I grew up. I mean, I've mm. I've gone back. I didn't know at the time because people used to mumble things about um, gay bashing, for example, when I was in high school, and mm. I thought they were just the, the usual bravado in which they bragged about the size of various parts of their body. Mm -hmm. um, but the but when I went back and looked in history, there were several murders of people who um, you know were identified as gay and put themselves in certain positions and and it was a horrible time and so the re mm -hmm. you can understand if you like the reaction of it but can i come back to something gk chesterton said um he said a reformer is almost always right about what is wrong but wrong about what is right 
Yes. Um, <laughs> and then so lots of these reactions are legitimate reactions to legitimate um, problems, and yet mm. the solution they propose isn't always the best solution. And part of it, they're falling into that fallacy of we must do something, this is something, therefore we must do it um, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, precisely, yeah. And so what would you say, we, we've got to wrap it up soon, but what would you say is the, are the key lessons coming out of this, apart from buy the book? Well, yeah, I think first, first and foremost, I think you should buy the book. And actually, the, <laughs> book, the, book, the book will be launched. Uh, the, the, we're having some launch events, um, one here in Perth, on the 9th of February and one over in Sydney on the 10th of February. And there will be one in Melbourne later in February. Uh, we're just, we're just waiting for a few, a few pieces of the puzzle to kind of uh, come together. But I think, I think there's, as far as things, things to learn from, from this is, is that, that uh, I suppose that critical eye that the faith gives us, the, the ability to kind of look at things in a, in a more holistic way, um, Benedict, what Benedict spoke of, of as a broadened reason, but one yeah. that actually can look at things uh, and and to really try and sift them, you know, to see what's true and good and beautiful, um, right. and that actually helps us. It opens us up to actually uh, a genuine dialogue with people who might be on the opposite side of every issue that we think is important from us. But to see what's motivating them, what 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 area are we are we missing in our in our vision? What's our blind spots? Yeah. And also, if, if they've got a legitimate complaint, um, it's not good enough to say your answer's no good. We, mm-hmm. we should be thinking about what we can, we, what's a good, what's a better answer? What's, what's an answer that yeah, doesn't yeah. do what we don't want it to do? Um, the other point to make is that you don't have to live in Perth to be in the Dawson Society, do you? Well, look, the Dawson Society operates as a, as a kind of a, a vehicle for, for us to organize events. Um, we, we put all of our things available, all our recorded lectures are available via podcasts. Uh, we've got a, a website that you can get uh, all sorts of stuff that we've, we've um, generated or facilitated over the last few years um, since we started in 2012. So, so there's, for the there's, list, uh, we'll throw that website in the show notes so you can check it out there. And we're on Facebook and Twitter and those types of things as well. So Excellent. Mm. All right. What, what, do you, what would you say personally is the biggest thing that's come out of uh, the whole experience, not just of the conference itself, but uh, hearing the papers, editing them, and 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 the book now on the on the shelves. I, I think the biggest thing to come out of the book for me is the uh, the interest that there was both in the broader community and in sort of academic domains to come together for a conference like this. Uh, I think it was fantastic that we had such a broad array of people. Um, coming and, and really sort of listening and engaging and that for me has been the, the thing that I've really taken away from this and it's sort of encouraged us in what we're doing and hopefully uh, we'll be back with, with something similar in the future. Mm. Yeah, and I, look, I was just, I was so edified by not only the responses of those who contributed papers to the conference and later to the book, but also the, the community here in Perth who, who supported it, the University of Notre Dame, Australia, uh, supported us with the venue um the knights of the southern cross here in wa supported us with providing some some travel bursaries for for scholars particularly younger scholars from from out uh, east uh, to come and visit us in western australia and present their paper um but i I think for me it's it's the the relationships that are built not just at the conference but following on from that uh via email and 
and phone and 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 now thanks to 2020 zoom conversations uh where, where there really where, is no substitute for a personal meeting is there oh it really isn't but but to be able to um to build off those personal meetings that happened at the conference to to, to put the, the paper together and to work on on the edits and things like that um we were thrilled. We had uh, Father Wojciech Giertek come from Rome, uh, the theologian to the papal household, present a paper, um, Professor Tracy Rowland. Uh, and so just some, some really wonderful people who very magnanimously gave uh, of their time and effort um, mm. to come over for two, you know, a, few, a few people from WA who decided to put together a conference like this um, to, to give, I suppose, put their trust in, in us to get to, to see this project through. Yeah. Um, we're pretty, just, pretty just edified a shout by out, yeah. A quick shout out to Tracy Rowland, who's uh, won mm. an award, which is effectively the Nobel Prize of Catholic theologians um, <laughs> yeah. for the world recently. And uh, she's no small name on that list either. Yeah, precisely. All right. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking, which is precisely what the Dawson Society is interested in making you do or arguing with your <laughs> podcast device let us know you can subscribe at thiscatholiclife.com.au or you can tell us what you like didn't like or what you want in the future by hitting us up on Twitter Facebook Discord or Instagram and you can find all the links that we mentioned in the show in our show notes on this site give us a review remember that this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast and we think that's an idea worth getting behind so tell your friends We'll be back next week, but that's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. Mm -hmm.